Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. It is great to see you at Valley Point Church. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And it is truly a joy to celebrate this day with you, as well as everyone who may be watching online. Can you smile for me? Can you do that? Christmas is close. There should be a lot of joy in the room. Thank you for smiling. And will you help me just show some appreciation and love to our artists who led us in worship today? Can we do that? Loved the horn section and was waiting for a little rocky maybe to appear maybe the next hour. Okay, the nativity. The nativity with baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph, the angels, the wise men, the shepherds, and of course, all of the animals. The nativity. It is a standard word. It's also a standard decoration at Christmas. Tradition tells us that the first nativity scene was created by Francis of Assisi, St. Francis, in approximately 1223 AD after he returned from a trip to the Holy Land. And he observed some things there and saw some things that marked him. And so he wanted to recreate the nativity scene. And when he returned to Greccio, Italy, that's exactly what he did in a cave. He recreated the nativity scene, and he invited everybody, come and see, come and see. There was a feeding trough that he used for the crib of baby Jesus, and of course, there were all kinds of animals there as believed to have happened on that very first Christmas. St. Francis used all of these visual elements because he wanted people to have a deep understanding and a deep sense of awe as well, but really a deep understanding that Jesus came into the world in poverty and in simplicity. And he just wanted everybody to know that. This quote about the recreation of that nativity is attributed to St. Francis. Here's what he says. I want to do something that will recall the memory of that child who was born in Bethlehem to see how with bodily eyes the inconveniences of his infancy and how he lay in the manger. Well, the nativity tradition, the recreation of that took hold and eventually moved to many Western countries And today we see nativity scenes everywhere. Perhaps you even have a nativity as part of your Christmas decor. While there are many things we don't know about the nativity, like was Jesus born in a cave or was he born in a barn or was it a combination of a house and a barn? And when did the wise men actually appear? When did they make their visit to see Jesus. While there are some things we don't know about the nativity, I believe it is something beautiful that gives us a picture of what happened and who was part of this wondrous event. 
And we know all of this to be historically accurate based on what we find in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. They talk about the nativity and who was there and some of the things that happened. What I find interesting, though, is that we haven't talked about every aspect of the narrative of Christ's birth. And let me review as we think about our series Do you hear what I hear? We're in week three. In week one of the series, we talked about Luke chapter one. And in Luke chapter one, we have this great scene where the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you are going to have a baby in a miraculous way. And he will be the son of God. He will be great. His name will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Not God up there, but God right here. And that's going to happen through you, Mary. And we had a good time talking about what Mary heard with that announcement and how her world was forever changed. That's Luke chapter one. In Luke chapter two, then last week, we talked about the shepherds, the shepherds just going about their work and their business of taking care of sheep and tending to them. And there was an angel that interrupted their work and said, hey, the baby's been born. The Messiah is here. He's in Bethlehem. You go and you see him. And then that angel was joined by a host of other angels singing glory to God in the highest heavens. And they went and they saw the Christ child. And then they began to tell everybody about what they had heard and what they had seen. And what we discovered last week is that when people heard the shepherds talking, they were astonished. (laughs) They were really surprised at what they were saying. That's Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Well, what we find after the shepherds' account in Luke chapter 2 is there are still a few more verses, and there are two individuals who are part of the story of Advent. But they don't get a lot of press, and we don't talk about them too much. We know about the wise men, the shepherds, the angels, Joseph and Mary, and obviously Jesus. We know all about these individuals. But there are two more characters who heard some things, and then they began to talk about them, and others heard what they shared And things got really interesting. And so I want to think through these two individuals this morning. Their story is found in Luke chapter 2. So if you have a Bible or a device, please find that. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 25 in just a moment. Before I do that, though, I want to share a big idea that will frame our whole conversation. So please take out your talk notes. Here's our big idea for today. The surprising truth about Christmas is that we may not hear anything at all. This would make for a sad Christmas. Don't have a sad Christmas. (laughs) Okay, that's a challenge for everybody here. By the way, I've never talked to anybody who said, you know what, I... I would like to have a sad Christmas. Like, that is what I want. Sign me up for that. I've never heard anybody say that, but yet, if we miss the message and the richness 
of what happened on that first Christmas, I believe we may not hear anything at all, and that would indeed make for a sad Christmas. We don't want to have a sad Christmas, so let's open our ears and our hearts to what God wants to say to us through his word. This is God's word to us now, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting, which means he was waiting anxiously. He was waiting with expectation for the Messiah, the rescuer, the redeemer to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That's quite a promise. Simeon, you're not going to pass on from the scene until you see him. Verse 27, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Well, according to ancient Jewish tradition, Families at some point after the birth of a child, just a few days later, would bring that child to the temple, and there they would find a rabbi, a teacher, a doctor, and they would present the child to that individual, and they would bless the baby and bless the family. I believe that's what's happening here. Mary and Joseph are following family tradition, they're following custom. And they are taking Jesus to the temple. That's what you're supposed to do with a new baby. And we have a new baby, so let's take him and let's present him. And there they find Simeon, this dear old man, who all of his life, he's been waiting for one thing. One thing that God said to him, you're going to see salvation. You're going to see it. You'll get to hold it. And then you can depart from the earth. Then you can die in peace. And so Simeon, he's an old man now and he's been waiting and watching and anticipating this moment. And I believe God, the spirit revealed to him that this was indeed the Messiah. And he takes the baby, Jesus, the rescuer, the redeemer, the son of God in his hands. And he sings a song. He shares a poem. He creates a hymn. In Latin, this has a name, and I want to share it with you. This song that Simeon sang is known in Latin as the Nunc Dimittis. Nunc Dimittis. You now have a new password for 2019, okay? Don't all use it at once. Google may be a little alarmed, but this is a Latin phrase that means... Now, you can be dismissed. Now you can go. Now you can depart. Now you can leave. 
To Americanize this a little bit, we could state it this way, Elvis has left the building. He's gone. Nunc diminis, he can now depart. And that's what Simeon is saying. I have seen salvation. All my whole life I've been waiting for this. And, and he's here. He's here. And now I can depart in peace because this child is bringing salvation to all people, to the nations. He's not just for a group, but he's for everybody. Salvation. Now I can be dismissed. Well, here's what verse 33 tells us. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. As you can imagine, Mary and Joseph still assimilating everything that is taking place. We have a child and this is all miraculous and he's the son of God and now he's going to bring salvation to the world. And here's an individual who's been watching for him and waiting for our baby his whole life. And now he's singing this song. They're still bringing all of this into their minds. And I think at some point they probably looked at each other and said, we've got something special here. And maybe Joseph even said, Mary, Mary. Now I'm George Bailey. (laughs) Mary, we've got something really special here. All parents think their kids are special, don't they? I've been with some of you at child dedications, and it's fun to watch moms and dads hold their babies. And you can almost see it sometimes in their eyes. This baby is special. This baby is the next middle linebacker. Uh, This baby is the next star, whatever. This baby will be the next CEO. And you can see them beaming with pride and try to say, yeah, hang in there. We'll see what happens. And God bless you as you raise this precious gift. I'm sure that happened a little bit in the temple as well. And you can almost see Joseph and Mary topping it all by saying, good luck with that middle linebacker. We have the son of God. (laughs) Of course you do, Mary and Joseph. That's the ultimate topper. And all of this is such incredible information that everybody is assimilating. I think it's fascinating that Simeon declares in verse 29, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised because I have seen your salvation. In this scene, Simeon has full confidence. This is the Messiah. This is the Redeemer. This is the Rescuer. This is the Son of God. It's not like he says, you know, Mary and Joseph, cute baby, great job. And maybe, I don't know, maybe he's the one, but I'm going to walk around the temple for a little bit. And if there's a cuter baby, maybe that's the one. And let's just see what happens here. No, no. Simeon has full confidence, I think, revealed by God the Spirit. This is the one. He is the rescuer, the redeemer. And so, nunc dimittis, I can now depart in peace because I have seen salvation, which is available for all, for all. Simeon, he's part of the story. He's part of the narrative and he is saying some things that somebody else in the temple heard and it certainly changed her life as well. Her name is Anna. She's a prophet 
Let's read about her in verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and he's singing his nunc dimittis. He's giving all of this information to Mary and Joseph. She comes along, and she hears this, and she began praising God. And here's what she did. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Okay, Anna. Here's what we need to know about her. She's a widow. She'd been married for a short time, and then her husband passed, and she never remarried. In Jewish and in Greco-Roman culture, a widow who never remarried was often seen as pious, faithful, devout, religious, and that's Anna. She's a religious individual. She is faithful. She has been serving in the temple her entire life. Luke also informs us that she is a prophet. She understood the Old Testament and was one who proclaimed the word of God to others. So much so that she makes a very unique connection here. When she hears what Simeon declares, she recalls all of the Old Testament prophecies about the child And she makes the connection from what Simeon says and the Old Testament prophecies about the one who would come. And then she declares, yes, this is him. And then here's what she does. She takes that information and she begins to walk around the temple. And you can picture her going up to somebody and saying, hey, the baby over there, that's the Messiah. That's the rescuer. He's here. We have been looking and waiting for him for a long time. He's he's right over there. And and I don't think she stopped there. She she probably ran to somebody else and said, hey, guess what? Right there. Messiah. Rescuer. Jesus. He has come. And she just began to walk around to everybody to declare, he is here. He is here. The Messiah has come and more and more people began to hear what Anna was declaring. Okay, we've got Simeon, he's saying some things and Anna is hearing him. And then we've got Anna declaring some things and people are listening to her. This is all wonderful information. A nice heartwarming story about the dedication of Jesus. This is great. What do we do with it? What do we do with this? I have three takeaways. Number one, find your identity in Jesus. And I think this is one of the unique things that can happen at Christmas is we get the chance to pause and to push out everything that's happening on the outside and reconnect with our identity in Jesus. I believe that's exactly what Simeon did. And that's what Anna did as well, and probably other people as they began to hear what she declared. 
They're finding identity in, well, this is the one we have been waiting for and we have been praying for, the one our ancestors have discussed and have said he's coming at some point. And they attach their identity not to who they were, but who the Christ child was and how he was bringing salvation for all people, for all people. Chariots of Fire, an iconic movie from 1981 that shares the story of some athletes competing for the 1924 Olympics. There are two major players in the movie. There's Eric Lydell and then somebody else named Harold Abrahams. They're both sprinters, they're runners, they're very fast, and they're training to win gold medals. If you watch the movie, you will discover that Eric Lydell is a devout follower of God. And he really dedicates his body and his skills to God and seeks to bring honor to God's name through what he's doing. Harold Abrahams isn't quite there, just not quite there, running for a different reason and a different cause. In the movie, as they are preparing for a run, Harold Abrahams makes a statement, and here's what he said. And now, in one hour's time, I will be out there again. I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor, four feet wide, with 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to run, and I have 10 seconds And boy, I hope something good happens because this will, or maybe not, justify my whole existence. I find that to be a very sad quote. That Abraham's entire identity was wrapped up in a race. But don't we do the same thing all of the time? We wrap up our identity in work, in possessions, in our personality, in what other people think of us. We get consumed with this all of the time. And our identity is that. And here is Christmas, an opportunity to reflect and come back to saying, my identity should be in the one who came to rescue me. And that's what Simeon said and what people heard. And that's what Anna said and people believed and heard as well. And so I would encourage all of us as we think about celebrating the birth of Christ, let's find our identity in him, in him. Why do that? Why do that? Well, scripture tells us that Jesus is the good shepherd, this one who came for us. He is the good shepherd. And here's what a good shepherd will do. He will call his sheep by name, meaning he knows them. He feeds them. He guides them. He protects them. He does what is best for them. And that's what Jesus provides for those who trust in him alone. He is that kind of shepherd. And this is why we can and should find our identity in him Christmas is a call once again to hear Jesus is the rescuer. Let's find identity in him and in him alone because he's worth it. He's worth it. Takeaway number two. 
hear that God keeps his promises. That really falls out of Advent. God keeps his promises. Simeon and Anna waiting and watching and waiting and watching and years and years of this. They are both older individuals and they're still waiting and watching. But yet what we discover is that God does indeed keep his promises. And so may we hear as we approach Christmas Day, God will keep his promises. Now, he may not work in the time frame we want him to or in the way that he wants. And Advent itself is an illustration of how God works in unexpected ways and through unusual people. That's what he does. But he does honor his promises. And so think about this for a moment. If you have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, God has made some promises to you. He will never leave you. Never. He can't. He's God. That would make him not God. And so he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God promises to love. God promises heaven. God promises forgiveness. These are all of the things that we have in God. And so we hang on to these promises, even if we can't see them now. When we hang on to the promises of God, it grows our trust. And when our trust grows in him, hope. There's hope, even when we can't see it. And even when we don't understand, we hang on to these promises like Simeon and Anna did for so long, knowing God He's a promise keeper. He'll come through for us. Thirdly, give yourself permission to be overwhelmed with God's plan for you. Did you know that God has a plan for you? He does. He has a specific purpose for your life. And allow yourself to be overwhelmed with that plan and personalize it. It's what Anna did. I love verse 38. It tells us she began praising God. That word praise means to acknowledge fully, to confess, to give thanks. And I think that's what she did when she heard what Simeon said. She began to acknowledge and to confess and to give thanks. The Redeemer is here. And so today, this is an opportunity for us to kind of clear our minds once again as we approach what is coming and to acknowledge, to confess, and to give thanks. Let me ask you this. When is the last time that you said thank you to God for the extraordinary gift of Jesus and for all of the logistics that God put into play to rescue you, to rescue me, and to make salvation available for the nations? When's the last time that you've said thank you to God for him doing something that we never could have accomplished on our own? Today is an opportunity to do that, and I would encourage you, as we begin to conclude, to use this time to say thank you to God for the gift of Jesus and what he provided for all of us. And if you're ready to do that, then praise and thank him. Do that. Maybe you're not ready to do that, because you're just not so sure, and you're not quite there yet. Just not quite there. That's okay. I'm thankful you're here this morning and you need to know that Valley Point is a safe place for you to investigate and for you to question and consider the claims of Christ. I would just encourage you, keep your heart and your mind open to what God can do to surprise you 
because God can do that. He can. Back to the big idea. The surprising truth about Christmas is that we may not hear anything at all. We may not. That would make for a sad Christmas. Don't have a sad Christmas. Okay? Father, we come to you on this day where we are close to celebrating the birth of Jesus. And we're thankful for some time just to review what you have recorded for us in Scripture. We've been looking at two chapters in the book of Luke where Luke, the author, shares with us about what people heard. Mary heard some things, changed her. The shepherds heard some things that changed them. And then there's Simeon and Anna, and we don't talk about them a lot, but yet they're part of the whole Advent story. They are there. And through them, a lot of people heard about Jesus and how salvation is available to all, to all nations, not just for one group, but for for all, for all. And you kept your promises to Simeon, to Anna. And you keep your promises to us as well. And so as we prepare to celebrate your birth, God, I pray that you'd help us to listen to you. Help us to be overwhelmed with what you have done and to give thanks for that. And God, if we're not ready for that, help us to keep an open heart and an open mind to how you may still surprise us. God, help us to keep eyes on you. Eyes on you. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus, the one whose birth we celebrate. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.